scratch and smooth. My special guest today is a well-loved British actor who found early success in children's television before biting political satire called in one of the most successful sitcoms of all time. His film and theatre career have teamed him up with such luminaries as Sir Alec Guinness and Alistair Sim, and not forgetting a smash hit Sunday night drama that ran for 18 years. Ladies and gentlemen, a big scratch and sniff welcome to Mr. Derek himself, Derek Folds. Uh, anything to say, Basil? Hello, hello, to the shoe So Derek Folds, welcome to Scratch and Sniff, and thank you so much for inviting us uh, to your home today, sir. Good grief. <laughs> I'm on Scratch and Sniff. I love it. I love it. <laughs> As Katie Manning once said, uh, I thought those days were behind me. Yes, dear old Katie. <laughs> we usually start by talking about your early days onwards, but I want to yeah. talk about 2016, and what would Bernard Woolley think of the Brexit result? Uh, or indeed yourself, sir? Well, uh, Bernard would say... Uh, like every civil servant, that that he's both sides of centre with slight leanings to the right and left. (laughs) That means it's utter chaos. And nobody really knows what's going to happen, does it? Really. But I think it's exciting. I wish we were doing Yes Minister. Oh, oh, totally. Wouldn't that be wonderful to be Mm. doing it now? Mm. But uh, Bernard now is uh, head of the civil service. He... He got his K. Did you know that? Was that in the book or? It's in the, you know, the Jim Hacker diaries. Yeah. Right, right. You know, that uh, that's what happened to Bernard. Uh, Humphrey went to a funny farm. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jim went to the House of Lords, I think. <laughs> but uh, very special seven years for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, to work with uh, Paul and Nigel, who were, I think, probably the the best comedy actors I've ever worked with were the, the best actors. And uh, as Paul Eddington used to say to me uh, every Sunday, this is a master class yeah. for you. <laughs> well, I think it was, a, it, was, it was a mutual master class. No, no, I mean, I, I mean standing between them. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, it was a joy. And uh, I gave them back as good as they got. <laughs> I often used to say... Um, are you going to do it like that? Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Because I mean, I'm sitting at the end of the desk, ten minutes while you're waffling on. Yeah. So can you speed it up a bit? <laughs> <laughs> but of course, I was, I was watching them, and listening to them being totally brilliant. What's been happening politically, you know, in the last sort of month, has been utter, well, madness. Yeah. I mean, here we are. We suddenly have another prime minister. How did how did that happen? <laughs> and then, of course, it can't got it. Was, it wasn't Jim Hacker. Yeah. But uh, and now we don't have a, an opposition. And now they're doing a a Labour leadership contest, mm. which is I don't know what's going on. No. It's well, Boris being foreign secretary is quite an interesting <laughs> well, I mean, development. I think that's more pantomime than yeah. anything. It's very good casting. Let's uh, go back to your early days and uh, where you were born and raised and your sort of influences, et cetera, et cetera, to get the acting bug going. I never really had the acting bug until I was uh, at school 
I was 14. I never thought about being an actor. You know, some actors say, you know, oh, I wanted to be an actor or an actress, you know, since I was six. I never thought about it. Uh, I failed my 11 plus. I lived in a small market town. I went to the secondary modern school and had a ball and uh, didn't see television till I was 18. Not 80, 18. <laughs> no, I got You're not saying And, uh, and uh, we just had fun. But, of course, in those days, you leave school at 15. But my English teacher there was casting A Midsummer Night's Dream. And she asked me if I would be interested in being in it. I said, what's it about, miss? Was she interested in your bottom? Well, I mean, she cast me as bottom, <laughs> so she must have been. But she was a delight, and... I said, I, I don't understand what I'm talking about. And she took me through the play. It's quite a bonkers play, really. It's, it's still my favourite comedy. Mm. And it was great fun. And she said, you ought to think about doing more of this. So when I left school at 15, I was an apprentice printer in the factory. I looked about six years old. <laughs> and I thought, what am I doing here? Why am I here? <laughs> What's life all about? Is mm. this it? And uh, in those days, you were, you had a seven years apprenticeship, and I thought, well, I'm seven years of something I don't want to do. Yeah. But then this guy came to me and said, uh, "I hear you're a bit of an actor." I said, "No." That sounds like that could be the beginning of an insult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a bit of an actor. A bit of an actor. What do you mean? He said, "Well, you did some acting at school, and th- this company has its own drama group." We're called the Cooper Players. Mm. I said, oh, yeah. And he said, uh, will you come and join? And I did a, the first play I did with them. There were some beautiful women in the company. Damn boy. And I was, uh, <laughs> I was sort of approaching 16, and <clears throat> the hormones were racing. <laughs> like the blue touch paper from retirement. Yeah. And I thought, blimey, uh, I'll do another play. And I got very involved with... Uh, the Cooper players and loved it. And that's when I really thought I really like doing this, but only as a hobby. Because you were taken away from it to do national service, is that yeah, right? Yeah. And then well, you know, and days. ended up in Malta doing more theatre. Well, you know, when I got to uh, national service, it meant I could leave home for the first time, which was in a way an adventure. And then I became a wireless operator. Did it, da 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 it. And... Uh, and then I went to Malta for, for the rest of the two years. And again, an officer came up to me and said, I hear you're interested in acting. I said, how did you know? People seem to come up and say these things to me. And he said, well, there's a drama group in the town called the MADC, the Malta Amateur Dramatic Club. Why don't you go along and, and join? I mean, the first trip I went down there, they were doing a... Shakespearean recital. I put my civvies on and uh, I, I went to the Palace of Valletta and I walked down this long corridor <laughs> and at the end were these two little old ladies. I'll be looking forward to this story because I've, I've read your autobiography, which we must uh, mention is out in all good bookshops called A Part Worth Playing. Um, so many stories in that. Uh, but anyway, yes, these two ladies. Yeah, I mean, the corridor was very long. And I got to the end, and these two little old ladies saying, good evening. And I said, hello. I said, I'm Derek Folds. I hear there's a Shakespeare recital, and I would like to join 
She said, uh, what is your rank? <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. She said, your rank? And I said, well, I'm an LAC. And she said, oh, what's that? I said, it's a leading air craftsman. Oh, you're not an officer? And I said, certainly not. Oh, well, this is a club for officers only. And I said, I had no idea. I'm sorry. I apologize. But why don't you go in and watch? So I went in. And they were all crap. <laughs> Except there was one boy who came on and did a bit from Macbeth. And I thought, God, he's good. But then there was a coffee break. Nobody came up to talk to me at all. And uh, so I left. And I saw this officer who came to me and said, uh, well, I said, I don't want to go back there. It's for officers only. He said, I didn't know that, folks. I said, oh, well, it is. Anyway, he came back to me again <laughs> about three weeks later and said, they're auditioning. I said, no, no, I don't want to know. He said, no, go down there again because they're auditioning for an inspector calls and there's a wonderful part for you in that. So I went back, I walked along the same corridor. There were the two little old ladies saying, <laughs> good evening. And I said, hello, I'm Derek Foles, I'm an LAC. She said, pardon? <laughs> I said, I'm an, a leading aircraftman. Oh, and I said, I would like to audition. Well, will you go over there and talk to that man who's the director? And I walked in and I read and I thought, well, I'm, I'm much better than this lot. They're all terribly in Parker, all terribly. I was quite cocky in those days. I've lost all that. <laughs> and, uh, and then suddenly this voice behind me said, I know exactly what you're going through. And I turned around and there was this blonde boy. I said, I saw you doing Macbeth. You were very good, I said. And he said, well, I think if they don't give you this part, they're nuts. And by the way, I'm a sergeant. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I said, how'd you, how'd you get in here? He said, I'm the only other rank to get into this club. And I got in because I did a great audition for Hamlet. And they gave me the part. And we became great friends. And his name was Donald Douglas. And he told me that he was going back to England to audition for RADA. Yes, of course. And I said, is that an electric light company? <laughs> I had no idea about, you know, drama schools. And, and then Bruce, uh, who directed me, I did get the part. And he became a very close friend. And uh, he directed me in three more plays. And when Donald told him about RADA, he said, let's try and get Derek in. And they, they sent to RADA for me. I got all the papers. Bruce coached me, and I had to learn, you know, Richard II and the bits from the Seagull and all kinds of rubbish. I didn't, well, not rubbish, <laughs> by no means, but uh, things I didn't really, had never read. Donald left before me, and uh, he got in. He won a scholarship, but he didn't get a grant. Now, my mother said to me, you have got to finish your apprenticeship. You're not going to be an actor. And I said, well, if I win a scholarship, that means my fees are paid. If I get a grant, that means I get money each week. Will you let me 
give up my apprenticeship and go for it. And mum, being the most wonderful person in the world, she said, if you win a scholarship and a grant, I'll let you do it. And that's what happened. I remember standing on the stage at RADA <coughs> and you auditioned with all these people sitting in the background. Don't know who they are. I went out there and said, hello, I said. <laughs> hello, I've got to win a scholarship and a grant. If you don't give me a scholarship and a grant, I've got to go back to the factory on Monday morning. <laughs> Just best to lay your cards on the table. Well, I thought I've got nothing to lose. And uh, I went home and mum said, uh, how did it go? I said, I don't know, mum, I don't know. Mm. And she always said to me, she had this favourite saying, when I was a young actor, if I didn't get the job, or Michael Crawford and Johnny Hurt got, got the job and I didn't, she would say, don't worry, it's just one of those things. And I nearly called my book, oh, just one of those things. But anyway, um, we had to wait 10 days and, and then mum shouted upstairs, it's here, it's here. This white envelope with the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. And uh, she's, I can see her now. She sat at the end of my bed and I said, oh God. I said, this is it, mum. This is gonna change my life or not. I said, open it. And uh, she opened the letter and she burst into tears. And she said, I said, what? What? She said, you've won the Viscountess Northcliffe Scholarship and you will get a grant of six pounds a week. Oh, that's and just wonderful. Because, I mean, otherwise we wouldn't be doing this now. <laughs> I'm glad I'm still alive. <laughs> I mean, that's 60 years ago. Wow. What a fantastic confident start that, you know, you can, yeah, you, you, all, you can do it without worrying about. Yeah, it was all downhill after <laughs> But no, Rada was wonderful. Two mm. years. and uh, So tell us who your contemporaries were at Rada. Yeah, no, we, well, in my class... I was, um, you know, we were there together from the start. They split us into two teams, or mm -hmm. not. But w when we were all together initially, uh, Tom Courtney, yep. Edward Fox, mm -hmm. John Thor, mm. William Gaunt. Yes, of course. Um, Sarah Miles. Love them all. Susanna York. Oh, this is great. This is lovely. <laughs> and then they're the ones I remember. But uh, it was two great years. And uh, I did a musical with Tom. Tom had something special, and when we towards the end of our time there, John Fernald, who was our wonderful principal, he he liked both of us. Mm. In fact, they were doing the Seagull at the Young Vic, and he sent Tom and I down together to audition. He said, "One of you must get it," and uh, we auditioned. And then when we came back, John said, "Neither of you got it. <laughs> Derek, you're too young." Tom, you're not right. But uh, then he decided to do a production of Dr. Faustus with Tom playing Faustus and me playing Mephistopheles. But I was coming to the end and I, I said I didn't want to stay on. And I'd got a job. I got my first job. So this play was connected somehow with Rada. It wasn't like a, oh, no, no, a, a job in the outside. Oh, no, it was a Rada. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But then, of course, Tom was quite brilliant in it. And in the end, he did play Constantine and the Seagull. Okay. And that was his 
Excellent. First job. Did you find that rather, because when we had Louise Jameson on, she talked about how they were very tight with the uh, rules to, to, to train you properly. So if you were late twice, you were out. Is that right? Something like that? They were very straight well, I, on timekeeping. I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't think I was ever late. Well, you, but he would, <laughs> it would never have uh, impacted you I at all. Know, but uh, I mean, I must say that when I went to RADA, I worked very hard on my voice. Um, not my voice, my speech. Because coming from Hertfordshire, I, I said... Well, I reckon's hardly happened. Well, I, I said today, mm. not that broadly, I don't... I said tonight, I said, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a bone prop, which you would put between the teeth. And then I remember going back to see the boys in the factory while I was training. And I had this bone prop and I said, hello. <laughs> I'm going to be an actor. I said, oh, piss off. Got the gear, got the gear. But I did work mm. on my speech. Mm. But wasn't that, you know, the, the old uh, swinging 60s and swing your pants and all that? Oh, and yeah, didn't they yeah, want yeah. the working class heroes then? Well, it was just beginning. Okay. Uh, I think, was it 1958 when they did Look Back in Anger? Yeah. And then, of course, the wonderful, great Albert Finney and uh, and Tom, of course, and, and Richard Harris and uh, Alan Bates, you know. It all became very earthy, whereas before, acting was a couple of French windows and hello, hello. Mm, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, but when we were at RADA, we were encouraged to have a received pronunciation. Yes. It taught proper. And I played a lot of officers, subalterns. I never, I, I never got into EastEnders, which is really my mm, background. Yeah. And, and yeah, but there we are. That's showbiz. What was your first part outside rather than? Yeah, I auditioned for a Nancy Hunter play called A Piece of Silver, which was going on tour. It's about a German family and an assassin. I can't remember the plot. It was 1960. Mm. But Esmond Knight and Joyce Heron were the stars. And uh, I just auditioned. This is interesting. I went backstage, one of the theatres in the West End, and I was waiting in the wings, you know, to go on and, and do an audition. And uh, there was a, a young lad lying flat on his back, going, mmm. And I, I thought, who's that? Anyway, I didn't know whether he was going on before me or not. And then they, they called my name. I went out and, and I, well, I got the job in the end, but... I auditioned, they said, thank you very much. You know, we start rehearsals on April the 2nd, and are you available? I said, yes, I'm just leaving RADA. And uh, they said, thank you very much, Derek, we'll be in touch. I walked off, and I heard this voice say, uh, Terence Stamp. <laughs> and that guy going on to do this play was on his back was Terry Stamp. What was he doing on his back? Or should we not ask? He was relaxing. Okay. Right. He was doing his vocal exercises or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I always, always remember that. Always okay. remember that. So let's talk about some of the people you've worked with. I mean, reading a book, Alec Guinness, there's just so many wonderful names. What sort of parts were you involved with them and, and any particular memories, funny stories, well, etc.? I mean, uh, one of the wonderful things about doing the book was remembering all the great people that I had been lucky enough and and privileged enough to work with. I mean, way back my first film was Kenneth Moore, who was one of my heroes. 
And you weren't like, in Reach for the Sky, were you? No, I wish no, oh, no, 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 too no. young. Sorry, no. The first film was We Joined the Navy, okay. where uh, Kenny Moore played our CO, and we were training at Dartmouth College. Gentlemen, have you ever thought of joining the Navy? You have? Then you have come to the finest place in the world for your training. If you're always sincere, always do your best according to your lights, and stick to it, whatever the consequences. Then there'll always be somebody to put in a good word for you at your court-martial. Have you anything to say? Only that it was purely self-defence. Self-defence? Well, the dog attacked me, sir. What? And Kenny Moore was, you know, was Reach for the Sky and uh, Genevieve. All these one... And I thought, Kenneth Moore. And I had to screen test for that part. And he did it with me. And I was... That's quite a luxury, isn't it? I I was thrilled when I got the part uh, because... The people that are up for it, like Michael Crawford and John Alderton and people like, uh-huh. I think, Dickie Briars, the wonderful, yes. great Richard Briars. Peerless Richard Briars. Mm. Uh, but I got the part. And then I worked with Dirk Bogard, Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing wrote me a letter when I was doing Yes, Minister. And I'd done this horror film, Frankenstein, Created Woman. Frankenstein. The name stands for fear. Hans. Hans. Come back. He's come back from the grave. And Peter Cushing was just the most divine man. And uh, he wrote me this letter, what, 25 years later? Saying, dear Derek, I hope you remember me. Oh, bless his cotton socks. Remember Peter <laughs> Cushing? Yeah. And he said, I, can al- I love Yes Minister, and I can always now boast to my friends that I actually worked with Bernard. <laughs> Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing, who was going to get married to Whoopi Goldberg, apparently, but uh, they, they called the wedding off a week before because she didn't want to be known as Whoopi Cushing. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of yours, isn't it? One of mine. Well, I probably got it from somewhere else, no, but no, no, I think no, I think no. we share a mutual love of really bad jokes. So. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Peter was a lovely guy, and then of course I had a great friendship with Lawrence Harvey. I mean, Lawrence Harvey died at forty-six, but I did this play in the West End uh, with Lawrence that ran for about six months, and we became great mates and did a lot of <coughs> socialising together. Mm-hmm. And when the play came to an end, I was married to my first wife then, Wendy. Sounds very bad, doesn't it? My first <laughs> wife. And uh, he uh, said, why don't you... We were going on holiday to Florence. And Lawrence said, why don't you come and join us in Cannes? And we sailed from Cannes to Monte Carlo in his yacht. He took us to dinner in Monte Carlo. And that's when we were having dinner. There was Lawrence Harvey, his wife... And my wife, Wendy, I had my back to the door and we were having dinner at the Hotel du Paris Mm -hmm. in Monte Carlo, which was just magical. And then uh, Wendy looked at me and said, don't turn round. I said, what? There's somebody coming in the door. Don't turn round. I said, I won't, I won't. First thing you want to do is to turn around. around. (laughs) And she said, he's coming over, he's coming over. Because Lawrence knew who this person was because they'd made films together. And he got closer and he was coming over my shoulder. 
And then Lawrence said, hello. He said, you know Pauline, don't you, my wife? And this guy said, yes. And this is um, Wendy Folds. And this is a young actor I've just worked with, Derek Folds. And I turned around, and there was Frank Sinatra. <laughs> he shook his hand. I shook Frank's hand, and I said something like, I do admire your work. <laughs> <laughs> what else can you say, apart from dribble or something? He was slightly shorter than me. I thought it was interesting. But he... Uh, Actors quite often are. Yeah, well, like they, Al, yeah. Al Pacino, Dustin Hoffman, mm. two greats, only about four foot six. Mm. No, a bit taller. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, I but I'm, I'm five, nine and a half. Yeah. And that half is very important. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm probably five, eight now, but I don't tell anyone. <laughs> but yeah, no, I've worked with... I've been lucky. Alec Guinness... Just a great man. Weren't you cited to be the next Alec Guinness or the young oh, Alec no, Guinness? No, or? That, that's a story when I left RADA. Oh. Uh, John, John Fernald uh, said to me, Derek, you know, I wish you luck in your career and I would love you to be another Alec Guinness. Mm. And then when I was filming with Alec Guinness in Paris, in Hotel Paradiso, the film, and I... I'd had too much to drink, <laughs> and Alec took me out to sober me up. And I had my arm around him, can you imagine? My arm around Alec Guinness, and I was saying, do you mind, Alec, if I tell you a story? <laughs> he says, no, Derek, no. I said, well, the principal of Rada said to me that when I left, he said, I would love you to become another Alec Guinness. <laughs> and he said, oh, Derek, he said, well... The original is doing quite well at the moment, <laughs> or something like that. But I, I, I coming when I was writing the book, I'm, I'm remembering that story. It's true, and I thought, I thought, dare I put this down? It, he was wonderful, and Robert Morley. Now there is the most generous man in the world, and uh, he organised a birthday party for for Wendy's twenty first. When we were out there, and he did, he just said, "What are you doing, Kitty Winks?" And and uh, well, we're going we're going on the left bank, Wendy's birthday. We don't know which restaurant. He said, "Oh, join us for drinks." And I said to Wendy, "Do you want to do you want to join Robert Morley for drinks?" He said, "Oh yes." And then we got there having a drink. He said, "Where are you going, Kitties? Where are you going to eat?" We said, "Well, we're going to a restaurant. We think on the left bank." No, no, no. Why don't you come to the bistro around the corner? Because we're all going to be there. And I said to Wendy, Do, shall we be on our own? We don't have to go. She said, oh, no, let's go. We went, and there were balloons and presents and musicians. Robert Morley had organised that in the lunch break and didn't tell us. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we really didn't go. But he was determined. And uh, we were three months in Paris, and... And, uh, yeah, Robert Morley, Alec Guinness, Gina Lollibrigida. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she never spoke to me after I said to her, when we were rehearsing a scene, I said, you have the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen in my life. And she looked me up and down and called for her stand-in. <laughs> Alec hated her. Mm, okay. when she, well, she used to walk on the set with hairdressers, secretaries, makeup people... 
Alec used to sit in his chair and say, here come the mafia. Though she was very good in the film. And Who was uh, that woman from A Poseidon Adventure you had a snog with? Oh, Shelley Winters. Shelley Winters. Well, it, it's a nice story, this. I, <laughs> one of my favourite films of all time when I was young was A Place in the Sun with Montgomery Clift, who was my favourite screen actor. I wanted to be Montgomery Clift. And uh, the film was with Liz Taylor and Shelley Winters. And uh, when we were on Broadway in Chips with Everything, 1963, it was a huge hit, that play. And we had 16 curtain calls and we were fated everywhere. And we went to amazing parties and I met Kirk Douglas and Anthony Perkins and all these people. And I was at one particular party one evening and uh, after the show, and there were a lot of people there. And I went, wanted to go to the loo and I went to try the door and it was locked, so I waited. And I heard it flush and then the door opened and I went, blimey, you're Shelley Winters. <laughs> and she said, and who are you? And I said, I'm Derry Foles. And she put her tongue right down my throat. <laughs> and I never, and I kept thinking of that film with Montgomery Clift. At least I could say that uh, I've been snogged by Shelley Winters. Well, clearly you didn't protest at the time. Well, it was... Probably too shocked. Well, I was shocked. And, and she was one of my... Heroines, because I loved her in that film, and I thought she was a brilliant actress, and I just couldn't believe that she was coming out of the loo, Shelley Winters, and she just grabbed hold of me and gave me the biggest French kiss. I never saw her again the rest of the evening, but I always, I'll never forget Bye. What was the story about you chatting to? Now, either it was Frederick Lowe or Alan Lerner, I can't remember which oh, yeah. one, uh, who mm. did the, the, the music, all the lyrics to My Fair Lady. Yeah, You're yeah. on a yacht, and also you almost drowned in, uh, during that well, weekend. That, that was the Lawrence Harvey. When, when Wendy and I uh, arrived at the Carlton, he said, get a, get a taxi from Nice and come to the Carlton Hotel. And Larry was a wonderful, generous, great guy. And he was on the terrace, he saw our taxi, took our bags, paid the taxi, said, come on the terrace and have a drink. And he introduced me to this guy. He said, this is Fritz. And I only got the first name. And we were drinking and chatting. And then Larry said, you've got to come on board tonight uh, for a party. Then you're going to stay in a hotel. And then we are going to sail tomorrow to Monte Carlo. And Wendy was, well, I'd, that'd be all right, I think. And uh, that evening, we went down to the party, and I saw this chap, you know, that I'd been introduced to, uh, called Fritz. And I was sitting on the deck with him, and we, I said, what do you, what do, you do? And he said, well, I, I'm a composer. And I said, oh. Have you composed anything <laughs> that I might know? And he said, he said, yes. And I said, I'm sorry, I didn't catch your, your surname. He said, I'm Fritz Lowe. I said, Fritz Lowe? What? Da, 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 da. I said, I, I, said I, I don't know what to say. 
I'm more, I'm, I apologize. You are genius. You are incredible. And, uh, and then I said something stupid like, which comes first, the lyrics or the music? <laughs> and and he, st he sat there with me and Wendy and told me that he took one word, one lyric from the book, Pygmalion, and it was, I could have danced all night. And so the music had only that one lyric. So, I could have danced all night, I could have danced all night, I could have danced, I could have danced all night, I could have... And then it went to Alan Lerner, who wrote the lyrics. But can you imagine? Who are you? Have you composed anything? <laughs> That was quite a moment, and uh, I always remember that. And then you, you had a little swim and almost drowned or something. You were well, while we were sailing to Monte Carlo, and uh, I loved to swim, and I said to Larry, I'm going to go over the side and have a swim. He said, well, Billy, for you, you can do what you like. Mm. So I dived off because they dropped anchor for lunch. I thought, oh, I'll go and have a swim before lunch. As you do. <laughs> and uh, as I was swimming, I realised the boat was getting further and further away. And I started to wave, and I think Wendy saw me and thought I was having such a lovely time. Yes. And then she realized, and Lawrence and the captain just dived overboard, and, uh, and they came and rescued me. Wow. And uh, I, Lawrence pulled me, and I said, God, Lawrence, you've saved my life. He said, you owe me. Don't yeah. forget that. You owe me. I, I just adored Lawrence Harvey. He was the most wonderful. We wouldn't have had Oscar or a Bernard if you'd gone that night. No, 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 you wouldn't have anything. And you wouldn't have met Frank. If, I, if I'd passed my 11 plus, <laughs> yes, absolutely. you wouldn't have had anything. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Scratch and sniff. Online! With Nick Randall. You're listening to a feature-length edition of SNS Online with today's special guest, actor Derek Foles. Time now for part one of the soundtrack of his life. Well, um, I mean, I love music, all sorts. You know, from brass bands to choirs to musicals, you know, to pop to classical. I mean, I could uh, talk about eight gramophone records on the desert. I could take about 108. <laughs> but I did love musicals when I was younger. And, uh, you know, I think the first musical I saw was Oklahoma, then Carousel, Call Me Madam. But the one that really blew me away was West Side Story. And there's a song from West Side Story that, that Joe and I used to sing to Joe's granddaughter, Alice. And I love the lyrics of this song because it just makes me smile and moves me because I can remember the hours that Joe and I spent singing to this two-year-old uh, and I recently asked Alice, she's nine now, and I said, do you remember, you know, Granny Joe and I trying to <laughs> teach you this song? And she says, no. Oh. I said, "That, of course you do. <laughs> but it, it always means something to me, and that's, uh, there's a place for us. There's a place for us. Somewhere 
place for us. Peace and quiet and open air wait for us somewhere. There's a time for us. Someday a time for us. Time together with time to spare. Time to learn and a time to care. Barbara Streisand with Josh Groban somewhere. For Mr. Derek, his partner Joe's granddaughter Alice, and in memory of Joe herself. Um, so most people, if they're lucky, uh, Derek, Mr. Derek, uh, might be remembered for one pivotal role in the lifetime, or they might just be, you know, in the shadows as guest character actors all their careers. But you... You've been Principal Private Secretary to the Minister of Ministry of Affairs, Bernard Willey, in Yes Minister. You've been Oscar Blakeson in Heartbeat, and also Mr Derek in Basil Brush. That's three huge different audiences, I would have thought, covering a massive span of years. Yeah, well, it's interesting because people, I mean, I've been acting now for nearly 60 years, and uh, people still believe I've only done three jobs. <laughs> well, I was going to add all the other jobs you've I done as well as those. But When I tell you I've done 14 plays in the West End, mm. I've been on the stage all over the world, on Broadway, Canada, Australia, mm. Far East and Middle East, 
and uh, I've done about 15, 16 movies, but people still come up to me and say, hello, Mr. Derek. <laughs> And what 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 have you what did you do before Heartbeat? And and you think, blimey! But uh, yeah, they are the three, the three main ones for for the remember. Well, they are the iconic. I mean, uh, I mean Basil Brush, when I did it uh, for nineteen sixty nine to seventy three, uh, five they were wonderful five joyous years. <laughs> Derek. Yes. Uh, where are we exactly? The Sheikh Elvan Seed's camp. Is he really? <laughs> <laughs> He's a very hospitable chap, isn't he? That is what worries me, mon ami. Huh? The Sheikh is the sworn enemy of France. I am puzzled why he treats us like the honoured guests. I do not trust him. Oh, I beg you're ever so prudent. <laughs> You took over from Rodney Buse, who did it uh, well, initially. Well, well, Rodney had done a pilot series. Okay, a pilot series. Yeah. You mean the whole series as a pilot? Well, he did thirteen. No, he did eight episodes. What, 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 presumably, they were shown, were they? Well, they were shown. Oh. and I think Rodney then a pilot series. Yeah, yeah. he did eight eight shows, mm. and uh, they were very successful. Mm. But I think Rodney wanted the show to be called the Rodney Buse Show with Basil Brush. No, <laughs> I'm sorry, Rodney. I don't mean that. And, <laughs> Ah. Well, you went on and did very well with no, the lovely No, no, dear Rodney. Anyway, um, uh, don't make me He's laugh. a cheeky one on this one. Don't make me laugh. Anyway, I got a call from my agent saying, do you want to work with a puppet? And I said, what? Thinking it was sooty or pinky and perky. And mm. I'd, I was, I'd been an actor for nine I'm years. I'm a serious actor. Well, I, I thought I was a serious actor. <laughs> no, 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 I'm sure you... <laughs> and I'd, I'd been working for nine years doing various things and... Uh, and my agent said, go along to the BBC and meet Basil Brush. <laughs> I said, oh, he's that fox. Worked with David Nixon in that mm. magic show, yeah. David Nixon, Could you take all, these, all these names. I used to have a David Nixon a magic yeah. uh, book to do all my tricks and things. Well, David Nixon was a, was a genius. Yeah. Anyway, I went down to the BBC and I met Johnny Downs, the producer, and he said, uh, Derek, do you... Uh, have you seen Basil? I said, well, I, I've seen Basil on, on David Nixon, yes. And he said, well, we've done this pilot uh, series with Rodney Buse, uh, um, but he doesn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we are looking for someone to take over. And then suddenly this fox came <laughs> over my shoulder and said, hello, Mr. Derek. <laughs> boom, boom. And I thought, I don't know. It was a shock. Yeah. Being a classical actor. <laughs> Darling. <laughs> it was a shock. And, uh, and then I chatted to Basil and, uh, and I got on well and he made me laugh. And then I met Ivan, you know, who looks after Basil. And, uh, looks after him. He looks after Basil. <laughs> and I thought, what a lovely guy. Mm. And I, I immediately liked his sense of humor. He made, did make me laugh. And... Uh, Anyway, I left, and they said, oh, well, we're seeing a few people. I said, okay, okay, I'm going home. Good luck. Lovely to meet you. And left. Within an hour of me being home, the phone rang, and my agent said, they want you to do it. I said, oh, do they? I thought, oh, God, um, what shall I do? And my little boys, you know, were quite young then, and uh, I think it was going to be eight 
and then 13. And I did the first eight mm. and I thought, I'm not enjoying this really. Why am I putting my arm around a bit of fur? <laughs> Why am I looking in a couple of buttons? <laughs> for eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved Ivan. And he did make me laugh. Ivan was a very, very good actor. You know, who looked after Basil. Mm. And his timing was terrific. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah, you, so he made that character oh, yeah. three-dimensional. Oh, yeah. T totally. But at the end, I mean, I did enjoy it. But at the end, I went off to Exeter to play Hamlet. Just to exorcise. <laughs> <laughs> but when they all shouting <laughs> Mr. Derrick at the audience. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, there was a... Yes, that's... My first school's matinee. Yeah. <laughs> and I walked down as Hamlet, all in black. And we had to f walk down towards the audience. And then we had to turn on our heels and walk back. It's all a very dramatic opening. And uh, I walked down. And then this voice from the back said, Where's Basil? <laughs> and I thought, God, I got four hours of Shakespeare. But then after that, they asked me to go back and do 13... And uh, I really thought long and hard, and and in the end, I thought I would do it. And it was that second series that just it just something magical happened. Really, I always enjoyed Ivan, and uh, and I got to love Basil. And I always tell this story that I think it was the second show we did that I put my arm round the fur, and it became a tail, and I looked into the buttons and they became eyes. And Basil lived and became my best friend. And we went on to do eight series together and two Royal Command performances and we met the royal family. And uh, when I said goodbye, it was, it was hard. But I thought, if I don't get back to being an actor, yeah. <laughs> and Ivan, you say, you are an actor. You played Romeo last week. <laughs> it was a wonderful sketch. Uh, what, Romeo and Basil? <laughs> well, Basil was Juliet. <laughs> what, did he have a wig on? He did. And <laughs> I, as, <laughs> as, I, as I climbed the balcony with him and saying, but soft, what light through <laughs> yonder window breaks, there was Basil saying, hello, Mr. Derrick. <laughs> You're overacting. <laughs> but it was, a, it, was a, it was a wonderful five years. But that, I mean, that, I think that you were brilliant in it, but also because it was just the basic puppet. If, you, if it wasn't for Ivan's um, skills and genius yeah, and yeah. the ad-libbing between you oh, and, yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. The, the chemistry, well, that, that wouldn't have worked at all as a no, show. No. We, we, we knew each other in the end so well. And in the end, we didn't rehearse with Basil. We rehearsed on our own, right. you know. Yeah. And uh, we just shared a sense of humour and we shared a love of the innuendo. Yes. Well, yeah. I've been reviewing some of Basil Brush's stuff yeah. and there's quite some naughty stuff that filters yeah, through well, for, the, for the grown up, shall we say. Well, Ivan and I were very naughty in those days and uh, I have very fond memories of us screeching with laughter. Of course, when the kids came in, uh, we had to behave ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, I was laughing a lot about what we had been up to uh, during the camera <laughs> rehearsal. Oh, I pick it ever so putting. <laughs> brush, please. Do you mind? Brush. I do the jukes. <laughs> bum, bum, 
What was your take on uh, the Revive Basil Brush in the last, well, last decade, I think it was? Well, uh, I was phoned up by a journalist uh, saying that, uh, Derek, we understand that your Basil Brush is coming back. And I said, no. They said, what do you mean? I said, he can't come back. Basil died. They said, what do you mean? I said, Basil, my Basil died. And whoever's doing it now is probably really called Fred because he had a cousin called Fred. I think the guy that looks after Basil now uh, is very close to the voice. Uh, But... uh, it's not quite close enough. I think it's it's a distant relation of Basil. Yeah. It's not Basil, no. and that's fine. I can deal with that. But it, it does yeah. it doesn't. The fox doesn't even look the same. No, it does look the same. It's like a puppet now. Well, it it's, it does look the same because it's not Basil. Yeah. No, Basil was a fox, my best friend. So, I told the journalist to, yeah. you know, yeah, absolutely, t- take a powder. Take a powder. Scratch and sniff. You're listening to SNS Online with my very special guest today, Derek Foles. And if you want to contact us about this or any other show, then please join our Facebook page, SNS Online at Twitter, which is Scratch and Tweet, or by email at snsonlineshow at gmail.com. Past shows can be downloaded for free by searching on SoundCloud for SNS Online or Mixcloud by searching for me, Nick Randall. Before we get on to Yes Minister and then a later heartbeat, I want to talk about pilot season because you were involved in so many pilots and uh, pivotal roles in some of these pilots, which I think you would have been fantastic at. Maureen Lippmann's Husband in Agony, uh, the original one, and um, uh, Rings on Their Fingers, which uh, eventually went to Martin Jarvis. What was going on? Why weren't you getting the gigs? Uh, Well, uh, you were good. Well, I met uh, the wonderful Richard Waring. Uh, when he wrote uh, Marriage Lines. And I played a Richard Breyer's mate. I think when Brunella Scales was heavily pregnant and I think I worked in the office with Richard and uh, meet, meeting uh, you know, Richard Waring, he said, Derek, one day I'm going to write something for you. I'm going to... And I said, oh yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. And uh, he, wrote a, 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 he wrote a sitcom called uh, Last of the Best Men about this guy, he's always the best man, always cocks up his speech, <laughs> and he, he never meets anyone. And settle. And we did the pilot, uh, which I thought was very funny. We had Jeffrey Whitehead and Prunella G, but it was never commissioned. And I was really disappointed by that. And then Richard said, don't worry, Derek, don't worry, don't worry. He used to talk like that. I'm going to write one, I'm going to write one. And then he came to me, I don't know how many years later, and he said, I've done it, I've done it. You are going to play this part. This series is for you. And he went, he went to, uh, I don't know who was head of comedy at the BBC then, and they said, well, we love it. It's really, I think, stands a great chance of being uh, very successful. But I, we don't think Derek's right. And uh, Richard says, well, I'm, you know, I wrote this for, with Derek in mind. They said, no, we, we, we just don't think he's sexy enough. <laughs> Charming. 
That's what I was told. And Richard came to me and said, Derek, I'm so sorry. I said, God, it's, it's not, I'm not lucky. How does anybody break that to an actor? You're not well, sexy enough. <laughs> well, well I'm, I'm not really. Um, I am now, I think, my age. I think I've grown into it. <laughs> anyway, um, no, what? Um, and I said, Richard, look, that's life, you know, don't worry. And uh, he, he did write a part in it for me uh, as Martin Jarvis's mate. And Martin was terrific in it with Diane Keane. Uh, I never told Martin. If he, if he reads my book, he'll find <laughs> out. But Martin, I've got a great admiration for Martin. He's a lovely guy. Looks like a cloud. I've never seen a cloud like that. But maybe one of those freak storms. Mars gets some at this time of the year, you know. Then there would be something on the weather computer. It's over Colony Research Base 4. Call up their scanning tower. No picture. Let's also talk about the very first pilots you did. Now, I discovered this completely by accident when I was a night shift at work, and I'm a big science fiction fan, Doctor, etc. So I googled um, British science fiction 1960s just to see what would pop up. And this bizarre um, offering called the Solonauts uh, popped up, the cloud of death. And you were one of the main heroes yes, in it. Was. It was quite an interesting pilot, and I, I sort of can guess perhaps why it didn't quite make it in terms of story terms. But you had a very good part in it, and it looked yeah. like they had a lot of money. They put a lot of money into the show, very Jerry Anderson esque. Yeah. Well, I, I thought I was going to be the Ilya Kuryakin <laughs> of the skies. No, they came to me. I was in Manchester doing a play, and the producers came up and gave me this script and said, "We're thinking of doing this." sci-fi series called The Solonauts and we'd love you to consider the, you know, one of the lead roles. And I said, well, this is just magic, wonderful. And are you interested? Interested? Of course. And uh, they said, but the, the catch is we would like you to sign a seven-year contract. So I thought, well, if I'm going to earn this money for seven years, I need it. <laughs> and of course, it was a bit cardboard. The sets were a bit it was great fun to do because it was, it was innovative, wasn't it? And you can now, uh, my son discovered it on YouTube. I mean, he discovers a lot on YouTube. <laughs> but... Uh, the actor from Just Good Friends who played the father in it, I can't remember, who was your boss. He sat in the big chair. Yes, what was his name? I, I've no idea. Roger Delgado, was no, it? No, that was the master in Doctor Who. Oh, was it? Anyway, um, yeah, well. I can't remember, isn't that all? <laughs> well, it was 1967. It was. But that was the first mm. of many pilots mm. that I never, I mean, it was yes. never commissioned or, or I lost to another actor. Well, you know, you certainly deserved Yes Minister in then heartbeat, I tell you. Yeah, that, that, that was the best. listening to a feature-length edition of SNS Online with today's special guest, Derek Foles. We're at the end of part one now, but catch up with us in part two when we hear about Derek's successes in shows such as Edward VII, Yes Minister, and, of course, Heartbeat. Until then, from me, Nick Randall, goodbye. (laughs) 